Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and start a fish stick only fad diet? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. Do if but what? Good for what do it is. It is what it do. What if but mild to moderate. Uh, guys, we... Sounds like a symptom of an illness. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the semi-penultimate episode. Shit, that's a good use of semi-penultimate. Thank you, it's the only one. <laughs> it's the only only use for that. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we have this one and then two more after that. And um, we will either have f- completed first drafts of feature films or failure. <laughs> does, that, does that mean this is the episode where one of us burns down the entire city unexpectedly? Semi-penultimate? Oh, because it's and, Game of Thrones. And we, and we were betting oh. our daughter Khaleesi after about, after yeah, about an hour. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Spoilers! This is, <laughs> yeah. uh, spoilers for Mr. Robot Season 3. <laughs> so, yeah, quick, quick, quick pop date. How's everybody, how's everybody doing with, uh, with their writing? Everyone wrote this week. Yeah. Yeah. I've done about eight pages in the last two weeks, which mm-hmm. is not, not what I wanted. Uh, and I'm also looking and I have four scenes left in Act 3. So that means that Act 3 could be like 15 pages total, which is very worrying to me. Yeah. Um, sure, like you, you, now does that feel like, is that worrying to you because you feel like that is going to be an untenably problematic thing to solve in a second draft? Or because you wanted, because you secretly I, didn't want to write a second draft? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just for me, it's like, the pacing has always been really important for me, and um one thing I did that I haven't mentioned to either of you guys uh, in the last week or so was um, I went back and read my uh, previous feature that I wrote in college. Mm. Actually, no, Evan, I did tell you about that. Yeah. Um, and, it has, <coughs> and it has like the same problem, where Act 3 is like 15 pages long. Mm. There's other stuff that could be counted as part of Act 3, so like... Really, the last fifteen pages are like the the finale or whatever, and then the, there's another fifteen pages of other stuff that you gotta is... you gotta fudge the act break if you wanna make that third act longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, every, all of the main characters' problems resolve in ten pages. Mm-hmm. Well, so and this that's it. this is an interesting question. Then, what about your writing process and and your uh, instincts as a storyteller do you think is causing that pattern? You know, that's a that's a good question. I think it's just um, w- a problem of outlining. Right. Where when I outlined that script, if I recall correctly, it was a long time ago, and when I outlined this one, it was just like uh, everything seemed to be longer in the third act. Like every scene would, there, there were the same amount of story beats, or maybe one or two less, but or fewer rather. Uh, but uh, they would have long descriptions, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well that'll translate into long scenes. Right. But it doesn't necessarily. It's just like, oh, I, I've only got, you know, however many scenes in Act 3, and I, unlike in Acts 1 and 2, there's nothing for me to add. Like, in Acts 1 and 2, I added plenty of scenes that weren't yeah. in the outline. In Act 3, it's like, 
well, I there, I don't know how else to twist the story. It right, might right, be all exactly. the twists that I want to do. Right. It's it's uh, that issue of out like the way the pacing and the outline feels versus how it feels on the page is interesting to me because I, I have a similar problem where, like, so I'll often have story beats that the logic of them makes sense and I it sort of it just it when I think about it in my head it feels like a good scene but then I sit down to write it and it's like it just doesn't in my head I sort of imagined that time had passed. I sort of imagine, like, and it's always relationship stuff. It's always, like, this character and this character sort of, like, like I ran into that in my third act where sort of all the time on the ranch, where right. it's Yvonne and, and Margot and Flora. I was like, I just feel like this should be long, because it's supposed to be a lot of time. Yeah. Like, in yeah, the yeah. story, it doesn't, it, like, But then yeah. you have six months pass in three lines of description or whatever. Right, right? exactly. That kind of thing. And it's like, well, I can't, I can't just say... Oh, look at this ranch. We still have problems, personally. <laughs> well, six months has passed, and you know what? I've been doing a lot of wood chopping, but I finally have worked up the courage to, to tell you that I'm sorry about eating all your ham. I, I, I really feel bad about doing that. Oh, like, it, it just, you know. Because yeah. in real life, uh, time has a really big significance on how relationships play out. Yeah. And it, it's... it's it, you, you can't it's the one thing in the screenplay that is hard to just sort of make do what you want it to yeah yeah absolutely like finding the relationship between time of writing time on physical page yeah. mm -hmm. time in story right? mm -hmm. time outlining all those times like need to line up a certain way and yeah. just getting it exactly right is, is pretty tricky I think that's a unique problem to screenwriting I don't necessarily think this is as big a deal in novel writing or short story writing where the, the length is so critical in screenwriting in yeah. ways that it just isn't in other yeah. other other mediums. Yeah, and I, I've learned that trying to write fiction yeah. after years of screenwriting. It's mm -hmm. just like, oh, I don't have to rush. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't have to condense, and I don't have to start every scene with description. Mm -hmm. it's very weird. Like I was part of part of my writing process recently has been like my my. Uh, for those of you out there who don't know, I wrote a book called Wings Wouldn't Help You. I've probably referenced it in previous episodes, but my I've been kind of being tugged back towards it. So I read the first like 40 or so pages of it again, and I was just like, huh, I'm writing a screenplay on accident. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just like, it's just a longer screenplay at some points. It's like, okay. Especially in the way I describe things and the mm -hmm. descriptors I use and the elements that I choose to describe and that kind of thing is, is very screenwriting. It's hard to break out of. Yeah, very much so. Because, um, yes, I mean, so much of learning to write a screenplay is people going, you can't do that! Right, exactly, yeah, yeah where it's just like, you, you, you've, you've only got really, what, one sense, you know, yeah. out of the five that you can use to just, you know, uh, what, what you can see is all you can write, whereas yeah. in fiction writing, what you can smell, what you can, like in a screenplay, characters are thinking. Yeah. yeah if in a screenplay, it's like he wrote, he smells like shit. It's like he so, doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, he's not gonna. Yeah, unless exactly. he could have animated flies buzzing around. Right. His head. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. To yeah. like represent that, mm -hmm. it has to be done with a line of dialogue. But in yeah. like in like fiction writing, it's different. It's like it smells like shit. You know, and it's, like, it's, yeah. it's weird. And I think that's been part of my process lately is um, sticking with it, mm -hmm. getting to the finish line. Um, especially because I feel like this is probably gonna be the last screenplay I write. Um, just fucking doing it you know getting getting one last final piece yeah um it's, it's and, and yeah. it turns out i was right 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 from the beginning that it was going to come up short about 70 pages and i'm just like fuck all right whatever <laughs> 
listen, the screenplay for Best in Show was six pages. <laughs> <laughs> with one line of dialogue in it. Um, the, we, the, we talked a little bit about, before the movie we recorded, just about sticking the landing and what that phrase means to us, like reaching the finish line, mm. getting a good ending in place. I feel like Evan and I have talked about this a little bit just now, but uh, so was, for you, it's a little different because you've, you've already, already hit the end, right? and now you just have to hit the beginning, which is its own challenge. It but, is, yeah. Um, uh, well, how, how do you feel? Well, I guess in, in terms of sticking the landing, uh, I'm in a weird spot because, you know, I... By the just the nature of the way that I set this up, the 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 end that I wrote has to be very first drafty because I don't know what the beginning is yet. I mean, mm. I do now, but I didn't then. And there's uh, one thing I can I can say as and, and and this is you know you can decide for yourself if this is a recommendation or a caution against the way that I write, but hold it like having to write the beginning after you've written everything else is a dark mirror to look into. <laughs> yeah. Because any problem with the screenplay as written really pops. <laughs> that way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, t- to be perfectly honest with you, the biggest thing that I have felt in the past two weeks when I've been just outlining the thing you guys read today is version eight of my outline oh, for, the, for the first, that's, that's why I took two weeks to do it. Yeah. Um, I really like my ending is not done at all. Like it, you're it's, gonna have a second draft. I is it, be part of it. Is yeah. it gonna be the same action where they wake up and there's a few minutes left, or is it gonna be like they wake up and they're dead? Uh, they're not. I don't. I don't think they're anyone's gonna be dead. Okay. But, uh, but just the 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 what the end is, how they and what wake it up. Yeah, the, yeah. the the fantasy, the la- the final fantasy beat before they wake up uh-huh. is completely unfinished. Right. And I, uh, it is not something which is built up over the course of a two hour screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's something that makes sense to me and yeah. probably won't make sense to an audience. And that was something which I sort of felt, but in writing the beginning, is like, okay, I. It, it, it just, you know, I mean, it's sort of an unsatisfying thing. And, and in a way, this this first season of, po- of podcasting was always going to be somewhat unsatisfying because we end up with a first draft, which right. is always going to be messy and it's always going right. to have problems. But I am like, the whole screenplay to me feels like an itch because I know I have suddenly for the first time in uh, 14 weeks, I feel like a pretty clear idea of like what the next round of changes is going to look like. Right. And what, yeah. are the, what are the big improvements so you, you, you kind of you've always had one book ending in mind but you're finally figuring out the, the other one kind of thing exactly yeah and and the the ending that i originally came up with like 12 weeks ago <laughs> has been a really great uh compass for me to sort of figure out yeah, how yeah. to write the next scene and and how to get there but now that i have that and it's on the paper and it's not in my head anymore and i am writing the beginning yeah I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's, uh, the, the big, big thing is stripping away stuff. Mm-hmm. I, because there's just so many ideas. There's right. so many yeah. things that occurred to me that would be cool. And 
It would it would be a fifty page act one if I set all that stuff up, and it would not be fun to read at all. Right. And the reason it took me eight drafts to come up with a, an act one that I liked is it was eight iterations of okay, we're getting rid of that. Okay, we're getting rid of that. We're getting oh, rid of that. Oh, I see that. Like, kind of like addition and subtraction and what... Yeah. yeah, like looking at the pages you've already written, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going to get cut, and avoiding accidentally setting that up in the first act. Yeah. You know what's getting cut? Ooh. Mm. Interlocks. Really? That's gone. Now they just have like a mental... They say it? That's on your outline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah um, exactly. they, they go to a specific place in the dream, and they say a phrase that wakes them up. That's <laughs> that's how what it is now. I It's just... Uh, there was just no way to make establishing an interlock entertaining and set up what will be scary about them later on. I didn't know that when I was writing it yeah. initially. Now I know. I, I yeah. think, so so it'll be that like they, they get to the place, they say the thing, and nothing happens still? It's going to be that they... So, so there's so many pages of the screenplay, which is them going, okay, why can't we wake up? Yeah. Now it's going to be established that the way you wake up from one of these things is you you just go to wherever it started. Most of these dreams are really, really tiny. They're like uh-huh. the size of a room. I see. You go to where it started and you say, I want to wake up now. I want to wake up. And then you wake up. Uh-huh. And there, this thing, it's just going to be so big. Uh-huh. And, and then there's, there's going to be no discussion about yeah. why they can't wake up. They're just, it's going to be clear. Can't wake up. We, we it's, have, it's over there it's, and we're it's, not there. Yeah, and we're not. And that's so much simpler and it, it cuts out a huge chunk of screenplay that I don't think was ever particularly exciting. Right. Hmm. Uh, but it's like, okay, we've we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a good transition into your outline as a, sure. as a conversation topic. Yeah. One thing that I think is going to be interesting and challenging for you is now that we've seen in your act one outline so much of the real world right how does the real world tie into the rest of it yeah that's gonna be real fun for you to figure out yeah <laughs> because that's I mean everything that uh, that we read so far in acts two and three was other than the last scene or two was in the Orpheum yeah and now it's like they they have this uh, this challenge in front of them that they think they can get out of mm-hmm. uh, but what's waiting for them you know how are they going to grow and change as right. a result of it in like the real world is, is Victoria going to wake up and be like ah shit I forgot I had a cane right. yeah <laughs> I, I, I really like being able to move properly for a while you know that it's interesting you mentioned that um, that's been easily the biggest challenge of writing an act one is every every single version of it that I've outlined has cut out more details about the world that they live in because it's like they're not it doesn't matter they're not in it ever again like yeah I I was like five four or five drafts of this deep before I realized like there's no scenes where people do Orpheum and the whole rest of the movie is in Orpheum I have to have a like I I have to do that in that one all right well we got to figure out how to make that work now yeah yeah Huh. I kind of liked that it was called Sea Garden, like Flores Garden. Yeah. I was like, but I feel like what you have here um, really moves along in a compelling way um, to the point where it kind of like uh, gives it a good steady rise in the action as things come together um, to the point that it makes that big reveal that's coming up with the ancient city that much more like cool because it's like that that, fi- that first moment where you're just like able to breathe a little bit you know because it's just like everything is just like moving 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 and then you see this and it's like oh that's cool i, I hope that's how it will yeah it's game i think you also have a, a something that wasn't in 
your previous draft that we talked about last time, which was um, there's now a really compelling reason for why they have to go to the Orpheum now. And, yeah. Like why it uh, is such a precious, precious resource. It's like the Orpheum tanker crashes or whatever, and, and, and I like that we, found, we know where it is. Right. And I like that there's fallout at her work as well. That it's like it's not just like an infinite supply. It's that they needed the ship, right. and now everything's stressed out. But I like, and I, it's just it's cool that like, Flora's faced with this ultimatum where it's like lose it all to gain even more kind of thing, and it's like, do you really want to do that? Right. Because it's just like she's already struggling to get by. She's already just not getting by you know and the fact that because she's living in a corporate apartment if she loses her job she's also homeless at this point right like know? like victoria is. Uh-huh. yeah um and so it's just kind of what do you do in a situation like that you know and when you're like barely scraping by and hating life do you give it all up because if you give it all up you might wind up worse you know yeah um stakes stakes that's where it is and yeah. medium rare baby yeah uh, uh thank you yeah that that um yeah Find like sort of sorting out how Flora feels about all of this, mm-hmm. and and what what is when we that's kind of what we talked about last episode was who is she friends with, and and what bothers her, and why doesn't like why does she go off and do this in the first place was was definitely a, a big challenge, and that's mm-hmm. that's always been what got more scenes with each with each version. It's yeah. like, Okay, we don't need to see the deal where they buy the Orpheum. We, yeah. we can yeah. just make make more Flora being sad and conflicted. Yeah. Yeah. So you seem to be pretty satisfied so far with what you have for Act One. What to you is is your concern or your potential stumbling block? What are you worried about? Um, great question. Um, so with with the scenes, with sort of the outline for Act One as written, um, there's a couple there's a couple scenes where a lot of stuff needs to happen and i don't this this i mean we we know how i write it tends to go long um and i want to give the little moments of flora in her apartment plenty of time to breathe and i want to make sure that it doesn't feel rushed and i also don't want a 10 page i don't want the scene where flora meets everybody and shows up at the secret lab to be 10 pages long right yeah like so I'm worried about that, uh, as, as always. I'm worried about going long. Um, I'm worried that... I mean, I've just been... I've, just, I've had the, the benefit of writing these characters for three months under the... Just sort of... Uh, just imagine that these relationships were established. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I actually have to do it. Now the road meets the road. Yeah. 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 There's... I feel really confident that I can establish Flora and Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, because I gave myself a lot of scenes to do that. Yeah, I think that's the most important one to get right. Yeah, I think their their dynamic is really important. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's executed well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, Flora and Xavier is going to be tricky. Yeah. Flora and Yvonne, I have maybe three or four lines of dialogue to get yeah. that going because he's not in it very much. Same thing with Joaquin. Yeah. Margot is fine if she's just a bubbly stereotype right now, yeah. though. In writing this, I'm like, oh man, I got, I there's I, there's tons of stuff I want to change about Margot yeah. for the whole rest of the screenplay. Manic pixie dream girl. I was like, gosh, she should she should be techie. Oh yeah. Like for the I've just sort of written her as like young and positive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of bubbly and like oh, she should she should be like, she should be like the techie one who is like really interested in like how everything works mm-hmm. and like she's there 
she's the only person who knows how any of this works for most of the screenplay. And right. I, I yeah. so I'm like, well, I gotta change that now. That's that's one thing that I didn't really get from your previous drafts of X Two and Three was I I didn't quite understand Margot or Yvonne's like right. role. Yeah, I didn't, just because we, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I knew their role in, in the in the archetypes and the you know emotional right. stuff, but their role in the physical world mm-hmm. you know is, is a little more challenging to establish. Well, something that I decided today is what if the idea that all six of them are going into the Orpheum was a totally last minute decision that was made under duress. Yeah, and that I wasn't... like that, by the way. Thank you. And it's like, they're just like, well, shit, I guess we're all doing this. Yeah. Um, we tried it and it sucked and was yeah. very hard. So maybe right. if we all pitch in. Um, but I, one thing which I toyed with earlier was uh, maybe in the scene where Flora is at work, if she has like a chemist, because that's basically what Yvonne and Margot are. They're, they're chemists. Like if she had like a technician there with her who, so we sort of see, okay, well, when you're rendering, you need someone to like watch the levels or whatever. Yeah. That was another scene that I feel like is going to be 10 pages long if I don't find a way, because it's like, she has to come into work, they do the announcement about the Orpheum crash, her boss is a dick to her in some way. She mentioned Seagarden to the person. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff there, so I don't think that probably will, will get to be fit in. But, but if, you, you know, if, you, if you break it up into different rooms in that building, and in her work, that kind of thing, that might help aid in, in allowing it to be a little longer. Yeah, um, I mean, three... Two page scenes is not better for me than one page. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is exactly the same. Right, problem, but, but, but still, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying, and yeah. and uh, I think that instead of adding a new character who we'll never see again to sort of establish that, I, I would be better suited just having it be Margot. Just okay. So anytime Margot and Yvonne talk, it is to ex- one of my jobs in that line is to explain to the audience what these people are and why they're important yeah. and then when I do my second draft instead of just Margot going like holy shit and whatever her dialogue is have it, the, the yeah. flamer meters is all the way up to 650 yeah. exactly. oh man exactly yeah. exactly um, gotta make her more of a Donatello I yeah. do have one suggestion please 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 uh, do you feel um, if because when Xavier and Flora, like, she sells Victoria to their friends. Right. And then he remembers her. Right. Um, what I was thinking was that it might be more interesting if at first he doesn't remember her, mm-hmm. and then when she jogs his memory of something crazy she did, and he remembers that, and he's like, oh, that was you. You were the you were the chick who... Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that, that that would be more compelling, is that, like, he doesn't remember her, but he remembers her actions. Right. Um, that's all. Uh, I think that's a great suggestion. Uh, Peter, what, what you, you sound like you're going to add something to that. Uh, not to that specifically, just a, a different scene. Um, I think one challenge for you in some of these early Act 1 scenes is going to be finding ways to make this, make the decision that they eventually come to right. be portrayed visually right. and not just you know talking head stuff. Right. You, you, have a, you have a scene here where the first description is Victoria, Yvonne, and Joaquin discuss the fallout. Right. Which is... You know, yeah, that that's stopped dead in the tracks, kind of like if, if I'm doing coverage of your outline, I'm like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it it's it's just gonna be interesting for you to find ways to make it visual and make it appealing. One thing that I thought of for that, very cliche, but could be fun. What if but? What if but this was good? Uh, you they have the actual money there, right? Maybe it's just like. The, and like stacks of cash mm-hmm. and they're like okay well they're, they're figuring out the budget you know yeah. in, in addition to just discussing the fallout of Xavier and whatever um, they're like okay we have this much to do this 
and uh, we have this one should do this and this goes to you this goes to you this goes to you we need another person well and then you know uh, Joaquin can like take a stack off of somebody else's right you know pile and throw it over there and he's like well that's that's that person now it's coming out of your money yeah. right that's me giving it to you bad, but uh, no, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's, I, there's something to that. There's definitely something to that, and and uh, there's a lot of talking in the lab yeah. in this in this first one, and, yeah. and it's, I definitely need to. That's, that that kind of yeah. is why I would recommend maybe flip flopping two and three, where like the the Troy Vaughn Joaquin discussing the fallout, switch it with our first scene with Flora, where she leaves the factory, so you get a break from those characters. You meet Flora, you come <laughs> back, and so you kind of have a bounce back and forth where. You go between the two of them and land back at her when she's back at her apartment. Right. Yeah. The the my point of reference for that was Jurassic Park, where you open with the big exciting scene where the raptor gets loose and the guy dies. Yeah. And then the next scene is the insurance guy talking to Richard Edinburgh or David Edinburgh, whichever one he is, and it's like the exciting thing we just saw has created a conflict you need to solve in Act 1. And he's like, okay, well, to solve that conflict, we'll need some characters with special sets of skills. Cut to. Yeah. characters with those certain sets of skills but uh you know Cause, cause like just, it's, just... <laughs> it's it's not easy being as good as jurassic park i have learned no well it's not it's not much that it's that you're you're looking at a good 10 pages before you meet the main character if you don't move things i'm hoping for a page and a half for these first two scenes okay. i'm hoping those are easy breezy very easy come easy go yeah. I, f- I feel like these first two scenes are really just one scene and then the first scene well, the first bullet point here is just the first moment of the scene right kind okay. of thing you know yeah. where it's like he comes out they and then they drag him from whatever room he was in into the other room uh, and that's okay. where one yeah. beating happens yeah hmm. these the first two scenes happen before the title card for sure okay. like you know just sort of it's I mean it's it's the opening image uh, yeah. yeah you know thing in the Blake Snyder kind of exactly world. like okay um, but I, I see what you're saying and uh that's definitely something to consider. I, in my one of my early early on, I did a lot of cutting back and forth between sort of Flora and the gang, mm-hmm. and I found that I kept needing to cut back on that. And we sort of that kind of got me to now. We're, we're pretty much there's none of that. Like right. we get the opening bit, we go to Flora, we stick with Flora for all Act One, but because uh, originally I was like oh, Star Wars is good and they cut back and forth in Star Wars and I'm like well this it, it can get a little Star Wars it can, yeah it, that can be a real real tough task to manage something like that yeah you know, several stories going at once yeah that's the sort of change that I think will be extremely clear to me once I actually write it down right if I can write those first two scenes in a page and a half then I'll, I'll probably keep it how it is if those end up being four four and a half pages then I think you're right. I think it's like okay, well, we got it. Okay. We got to meet Flora, right? More quickly. It's just kind of how how it pans out in execution. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Um, to go back to the thing you said earlier of uh, the Xavier kind of meeting her and not remembering her at first, I, I I think that's a really good suggestion. And mm-hmm. it, it I, you know, my original description for these characters was, oh, Xavier is someone who knew Flora from way back when, and I haven't, as Xavier has become less and less important to Flora, and Victoria has become more and more right. important. Right, and that's the other little thing, is that, that like, if, if he doesn't remember her at first, that creates a little tension with Victoria, that she's like, oh, fuck. Right. I'm yeah. trying to impress my new mentor, Right. and, and he's fucking this up over here for me. Yeah, exactly, and, and then that also, 
you know, it, it, I think the, the, the question I have to decide for myself is, so, so Flora has been presenting herself as, oh, well, I could be, I could be making Orpheum with the, the biggest and greatest, mm-hmm. but I can't just because, you know, I never had the opportunity. Soycumstance. Soycumstance. It's not my fault. It's the world's fault. And then she has this opportunity, and, and that interaction is going to go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Either she's going to arrive, and everyone's going to go, oh, uh, you're not what you said you were, and she's going to be embarrassed and kind of be rejected, and that's where the conflict comes from. Or she shows up and people are like, great, you're the one, get to work. And she's like, uh, I don't, like, yeah. like either, either <laughs> I don't they, actually know how to do this by myself. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, normally they just kind of bring it to me, and I, <laughs> I either, if, either Xavier doesn't remember her at all, mm-hmm. or he's like, oh my god, you were the coolest, like, I've been like I or he, like he sort of is you starstruck. So he flatters her. He's starstruck by her, and she's yeah. like, "Jesus fucking Christ, I'm never going to be able to live up to this." Right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. nuts deep in this one now. Yeah, I have completely screwed myself. Mm-hmm. I have started a ticking clock, which goes out off when everyone realizes I'm an imposter and yeah. I can't do any of this. Which is good. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I think those are both interesting way story beats. It, yeah. And it's just a question of which one you think serves your theme and your story right. best. And, and the issue with the second one is not making this feel like fan fiction, where it's like, you're the greatest person in the whole world and can do anything. And it's like, it's so embarrassing. Me? It's so embarrassing having everyone realize how talented I am. Yeah. Like, you know, so, well, I just got to do it well, I guess. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a burden. Um, okay, thanks, guys. Was there yeah. anything else that you, you wanted to talk about? Um, what? Ne- no, not, not, not on this. I think we, we you got it pretty well laid out here. Uh, the, the only thing to me is that there's like 15 scenes or something like that. It sure is. pretty long. Yep. So good good luck with that. Good luck, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to... Uh, I'm, I'm, but you know that already. Yeah. So, yep. You know. It's it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting challenge to see how much compelling information I can get into as small a space as possible. Yeah. Um, one last thing to mention: I, I mentioned that interlocks are gone. Uh, so is Yvonne's mean boss Soren, who will turn into a monster eventually. Oh wow! There is these does not belong in this act one. It turns out I. It just doesn't can't fit a square peg into a right hole. You can't do it. So that monster is Maybe. gonna be there, but not as that scary boss. <laughs> that yeah. was a it was a bad idea. It turns out bad pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if uh, Yvonne creates and kills a version of Flora instead, mm-hmm. or Joaquin, or, or yeah, someone in the group that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. just like that, that. Like you see him express is how he actually feels about one certain person. That you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. They really hate each other. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Uh, I think there's plenty of ways I can hint that Yvonne is not someone you want to be trapped in a dream with uh-huh. uh, without showing him getting a shit beaten out of him by, like, a corporate slick character who will never appear again. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, next week I, I got to... I gotta write half of this. <laughs> oh, boy, uh, who, which, which, which boy would like to go next? All right. All right. Evan. All right. Still time. There is still time. Um, it was kind of a tough week for me. Talk um, to me about that. Just, just kind of figuring out this, this last little bit of the climax kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. um, this all takes, everything takes place across this one night from the miniature golf on right. to this point. Um, and just kind of like that that timing thing again, getting it right and giving it the right amount of time for each little thing. And it's just like, 
I don't know how I did. Just, like I, I, I feel okay with it. Um, but and I and I and I got through it. But right. I, I think it can be better. Um, yeah. And it, then and then after we talk about my pages, I want to talk about what's up next for me, and I, I want to talk to you guys about that. For sure. Um, yeah. Because I have three scenes, and I have a question to pose to you guys. Okay. Um. So the quick question for you: Are we in Act Three at this point? No. No. Okay. So this is this is the end of Act Two. Right? Tail end act. Okay. Yeah. Great. That that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I thought, but I just I just wanted to I just wanted to confirm that. Um. So. The the shit hits the fan here. It's real. <laughs> it gets real quick. It gets real extremely quick. Um. The. So we you know we've done a, we've we've had a lot of. Uh, discussion with you about uh sort of the theme of this right. story and what you know what what is what is this about and yeah. what does this all mean um the you there's a there's a scene in here that i really really like uh-huh. and i think that i like it so much because like i read it and i was like that could really easily be what this story is about mm-hmm. like you could you could structure the whole screenplay around this one scene yeah which is the scene where steve and uh rebecca are talking at the end where they're like fingers brush or their yeah. eyes lock um the, the the things just went haywire the, the the specific line is uh you know it 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 feels like forever ago tell me honestly how is it turning out for you i expected better but something just went haywire yeah that is a lot. <laughs> that's and a very heavy beat. That's a really heavy beat. Yeah. And to me, that feels connected to everything that you have written. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this is a very ethereal, fly-on-the-wall-y kind of screenplay. Mm-hmm. This is a... There, there is not a suitcase full of cash. In this <laughs> there is just a lot of extremely sad 30-year-olds. Yeah. And... You know the their relationships are interesting, so we have to trust that it's going to pay off in, uh-huh. in some way. And that's not a criticism. That's yeah. an interesting way to write a story. Uh, this to me feels like it paying off. That it's like this is this is why we have been watching. <laughs> yeah, is because this is a story about what it feels like to have it not pay off. Right now. Uh, I will say, if that is the reason that we're watching this story, mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, that asks for a pretty different first act. Mm-hmm. Because if this is what... What we see in, in Act 1 is Steve being disappointed. Yeah. He's not sure what he wants. He feel he's not confident. He sees something that seems like it might be a good thing, and then it gets snatched away from him. Yeah. Fast forward five years, he's really sad. If I if this story is once upon a time, I thought things w- would be different, but things just went haywire. The beginning of that story should be, in my opinion, filled with hope. Mm-hmm. He should end that act so positive yeah. that his yeah. life is going to be awesome. And it should and and you don't even really need any conflict in that first act. I think mm-hmm. you could just have a series of vignettes of these characters meeting each other and partying with each other and just having stars in their eyes. Yeah. And then 
pull the rug out from under us and punch something up. Yeah. 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 So, like, when when Steve doesn't make it work with Rebecca in the first act, he's probably just like, other fish in the sea, I'll be all right. Yeah. And then uh, years later, he's like, I still think about how I thought that. Yeah. How I thought that everything was going to be okay. And that was, like, the last time I had a real shot at someone that I actually liked. Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a... I had a screenwriting professor who told me that, like, you know, in, in a in a romantic comedy or whatever, you know they're going to end up together 99% of the time. There's mm-hmm. just a few subversions of that, but whatever. And it's just, like, they have to start by hating each other's guts, and then you're just delaying the inevitable of them ending up happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And how you delay the inevitable, how you push them out from uh, getting together, is the story. Yeah. That's, like, the nature of it. And then there's that payoff moment. There's the you know the big kiss at the end of Speed or whatever, yeah. where it's like, oh, there there it is. That's that's. Yeah. I was hoping that was gonna happen, and uh, Rebecca's line there is that moment. Yeah. Uh, in in a screenplay where it's just like, uh, you you've kind of been delaying the inevitable by not telling us how you feel or acting on your feelings or doing anything, uh, super uh, progressive for yourself. Yeah. In over the last few years since graduation. Tell me why. Mm-hmm. Tell me what happened. Yeah. And then it's like, shit, I, <laughs> you know, I haven't even been thinking about it, but now that yeah. you're asking me, and now it all, it's all flooding in. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I also really like how, um, you know, with the theme of the story being kind of like, there's uh, there's still time. There, yeah, yeah. You know, that that uh, he's always thought that, and he's always been right to a sen- in, in a sense. Yeah. That there is still time to to find what he's looking for uh-huh. but then there's the reminder with Lena seizure yeah that's like well there's things we can't control though yeah we like, like, might not be enough time yeah there, yeah there might not that's that's your your ticking clock you know uh-huh. um, and and the fact that it's a it's it's out of nowhere B it's never happened to her before really sells that very yeah. well I think yeah. Um, so yeah I think that uh, you've you know you've been circling around it for a while and you, you just Banged it on the head. Nice. Here, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where does it go from here? That's a great question. Yeah, and it and it depends on. It it depends on what. What the theme is, right? And um, yeah, because basically how it works is. The next three scenes are. Steve's interview, where we realize he basically nailed it and will be getting the job. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca and Jordan, like, uh, Jordan finding out where she wound up that night and kicking her out mm-hmm. and just being, like, straight up. Like, even though nothing happened, it's still, like, fucking Steve. Mm-hmm. Of all people, you wound up at his place. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find a hotel, you went there. Um, and a scene with Cosmo, and the, actually the next scene right after this is with Cosmo and Lena at the hospital. Them kind of, like, making amends and being like, do you remember when we used to do X, Y, and Z, and we used to be so happy, and I want to get back to that, and tonight really scared me, kind of kind of scene. Right. Um, and then, from there, after those three things pan out, nothing really happens in the story for about four months. Right. Five months. Until, like, that's finally when, like, Steve and Rebecca start talking. Right. Um, and it's just kind of like, we could do the three scenes and a time jump, and then have maybe one scene after that that just says it all, mm-hmm. you know? Or we could cut out that time jump and just let it live, because that's kind of where the story ends. It's just like, everybody goes back to forming some form of stasis kind of thing. Right. Where it's like, Rebecca's recovering from a breakup, but that's about the only thing that's like, 
continuing some sort of dramatic trajectory. Right. Well, I would say stories are about character conflict and change. Right. right. Your characters have all changed. Right. By by this point, we just you just need a, a little capper on it where we see yeah. how they do one thing differently mm-hmm. than they would have. Right, and that's kind of why I feel like just those three scenes and then get out. I my thought process would be this is not uh, a screenplay where you know Steve rushes to Rebecca's side and right, confesses not... his love and they have a big dramatic kiss. Yeah, but I think um, if you don't have a, st- a scene with Steve and Rebecca, because Steve getting the job, that he didn't change his right. circumstances changed. Yeah, Steve moving forward in his life, either pursuing Rebecca or not, mm-hmm. uh, is a change, and so he has to do that thing. I Wait. think. Yeah, I feel like it, it would be a five-month-later scene uh, at the brewery where he comes to her one day and it's just like, are, are you ready to try it? You know? Just something that small, that simple. Yeah. Right. That's that's definitely a way to do it. What do you think, Yeah, yeah I, I think that um, this scene that you have here... So if the way that you described it, where Steve gets the job, Cosmo and Lana sort of atone... And then we do a time jump to four months later. The, the first thing which popped into my head is the last scene that you showed us today, the one with the, you know, yeah. things went haywire, is an interesting opportunity. Because what, what's at stake in this story is will Steve grow up? Right. Will he get better? Is he going to learn from his mistakes? Is he going to move on with his life? Um, this is maybe an opportunity to dangle the carrot in front of us that maybe the answer is no maybe after all of this he still hasn't learned his lesson and that four month time jump will be when you give us the answer yeah now i don't know exactly what steve not learning his lesson would look like Mm -hmm. here's a couple of possibilities one would be he has an opportunity to make a move and he doesn't yeah He, he, he does nothing yeah, I feel like that's how the rest of the scene, because this is, um, there there was originally where she, she just says like, she pulled her hand away and was like, sorry, right. I didn't didn't mean it like that. Right. Um, Another version is he makes a move and she's like, seriously, <laughs> not the time. Yeah, yeah. dude. Um, I don't think Steve would do that. I think Steve would more. Yeah. Uh, run. Right. Real fast. Well, and and if if. If someone was going to ask me what I think Steve's like tragic flaw is, uh-huh. I would say he has a very deep belief that things will just work out if he waits long enough. Mm-hmm. Eventually, all the pieces are going to line up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't have to solve anything myself. And in a way, he's right. I mean, <laughs> he's about to get that job. Yeah. And if... You know, if he just sort of sits there and does nothing, then, uh, and then the next scene he gets the job, there could be, you, I mean, you could play that in a way where it's like, okay, he's just, he's just going to disappear into himself. Like, yeah. he's going to sit at that desk for the next 30 years and, and shrivel up. Right. Um, I mean, one, one version of the, the last scene that you showed us would be, Rebecca's like it's not a romantic thing it's like Rebecca's like I'm so disappointed with my life I things haven't gone the way I wanted blah 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 and Steve is sort of like yep (laughs) and she's like 
comfort me do, to do, do something. Yeah, do you have anything to say to that? Like, yeah, do you have yeah, an opinion? Yeah. Do you have, are you a person or are you just a ghost? Yeah, like, exactly. And he's like, uh... And there, then he does something or doesn't do there. something. There. He does something or doesn't do something. Yeah. And then the end of the screenplay is does he learn or doesn't he yeah yeah i feel like there's a two things that screenwriters love to do that you didn't do in this last scene uh that you may serve your story actually even if they're cliches one is a a monologue from one of these characters where they finally really open up right and they've been looking for an excuse to do this for a long time they're like well now that you're asking it's been tough here's the ways it's been tough mentally and circumstantially here's this and this and this and you know Oscar winning moment right? yeah, yeah yeah and another thing is a big confrontation which is what Silas was talking about uh, which is just like you didn't answer my question you didn't comfort me you didn't do this or that or whatever mm-hmm. do this thing and then the person does the thing or they remain inactive and then the the consequences of that confrontation are the end of your story right yeah yeah yeah, so you, you've uh, you've kind of left the door open for some very interesting possibilities, and I think it's just what you want to mm-hmm. do with it. You okay. know, what yeah. do you think yeah. tells the story best? Yeah, because I just I feel like we're almost there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, know, I agree. We are almost there. Um, one other thing which I wanted to mention, which is uh, less of a big philosophical story question <laughs> and more of like a small granular, yeah, yeah. Um, the scene where the seizure occurs yeah. is a pretty calm scene it's it's rebecca is she's crashing with them right she, yeah, and she, and she yeah and she has her video call with jordan and right. that's when it happens um to me the seizure feels like okay so this is like an act of nature this is like a tornado or mm-hmm. an earthquake or something frogs raining from the sky exactly mm-hmm. this is this thing which you know when when you have frogs rain from the sky at the end of act two that is like from a story perspective like god will not let the characters avoid their problem any longer right like you know if uh and i feel like the the seizure as it happens it disrupts the story in the sense that they weren't planning to go to the hospital that night Mm -hmm. uh i don't feel like it i don't feel like any characters were on the brink of doing something big that the seizure sort of threw its cards down at okay and to me it seems like that is why you you put a seizure Mm -hmm. in your story at the end of act two but that's that's i could be wrong there's there could be a lot of reasons to put a seizure in a story that i'm not thinking of but when i read it i thought when when i read the seizure in the outline i pictured it as like but you never you know were there when I was feeling down. Yeah, will you never da 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 listen to me? So help me God, I'm about to. No. What the? <laughs> oh my God, Lena's had a seizure. This changes the dynamic we yeah, were in. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was kind of gunning for that with the like interrupting Rebecca and Jordan fight right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's just not enough. Well, and and I think that the so the so the Rebecca and Jordan fight is a conversation we've seen them have. Mm-hmm. There isn't really new information. Yeah, we had that huge bomb get dropped at mini golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're sort of they're rehashing it, but it there aren't necessarily. I mean, they're they're talking about breaking up. Yeah, there's uh, not a new ingredient. Right. right, where it's like 
And by the way, this. Right. You know, like, I've been saving this trump card oh, yeah. for now. Mm-hmm. You know? Have Jordan reveal something. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the other thing is, you know, to me, sort of the, the act of God at the end of Act 2 is a catalyst which, which forces characters to sort of reverse their stances on something. It right. shakes them out of their stasis. And what might be interesting, too, is to have, like, instead of Steve just laying there listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. if it, like, was him standing in his kitchen with, like, a glass of water and a lot of pills lined up. Right. Just, like, what's he going to do? Right. You know, that's when he gets the call. Right. And, and th- that, exactly. And, and, you know, Rebecca's version, or, yeah, yeah, Rebecca's version of that in here would be, oh my god, we could die at any moment, I guess I have to make things up with Jordan. Yeah. Like, I mean, that could, that could be the subtext or even the text of, yeah. of her scene with Steve where it's like, oh my god, we just got back from the hospital. I'm going to sit on the couch. How you doing? Uh, I just got off the phone with Jordan. I, I, I think we're going to be okay. I think that, you know, I, I sure did, was faced with my own mortality today and, and it gave me a lot to think about and I've, I've really decided we got to patch things up. And then the Steve scene could be Steve going, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> you were yeah, faced yeah, with your yeah. own mortality and your reaction is to stay with the guy you hate like yeah. go going plant a tree <laughs> it's uh going back to the carpet store in yeah. roy yeah know, in exactly. Rick and Morty. yeah exactly yeah yeah uh, oh, gosh. anyway uh good work man okay. this is yeah. this is uh this is some rich this is some rich dough yeah i'm it's got some eggs and butter in it <laughs> it's eggs and butter this is it's yeah yeah this, cool. is the good, this is the good stuff this is where yeah cool Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's all about that payoff, baby. It's all about that paycheck, baby. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, Peter. All right. Can't get you out of my head. La, la, la. Getting copyright strike. La, la, la. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. So this is Act 3, officially. Yay. Um, There are seven and a half pages in it. And there's... Four more scenes, as I mentioned. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Are the are the scene headings at the end all that's left? Yeah. But that's nice. the, that's the movie, there. baby. We're almost there. We're almost yeah. there. Exterior Sammy's Bunker Evening, which is the, the first of the last scene headers, I anticipate will be like a five-page scene. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's when he's like, he's like on the other side of the telecom and it's like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Blah. And then he has a confrontation with Aaron right. and the people from the yoga park come and everything pays off. Right. And then the rest is just wrapping it up. Um... What uh, that's also part of why I stopped writing where I did was because I was scared to write that scene. Yeah, right. And I was like, I don't know. I I feel like there should be other shit here. <laughs> like there should stuff should happen between Miguel dying and uh, them getting to uh, confront Aaron. And the other thing is, I didn't know. I just couldn't figure out why Aaron would go after Sammy's bunker. Like why he would. Because he's one at this point. Yeah. And uh, why would he Why would he care anymore? Like, he, he, there needs to be the confrontation with Aaron, but i got to find a good reason for... Maybe it's like, uh, oh, I'm just here for supplies, or maybe it's like, uh, I figured out what you figured out. She's the only one who can stop this or reverse it. Yeah, yeah, where it's just like, Aaron's like, I fucked up, I fucked up! Or, yeah, yeah that's another possibility. Yeah, it's yeah. like, where maybe he stays committed to his plan, or maybe he's, like, diverging from his plan, mm-hmm. and I could not... I just could not settle on something that satisfied me. But on the bright side, what you have here is fantastic. It's nice. Thank you. And yeah. uh, I love the... I'll start by saying that I love the, the zombie horde in search of snacks. <laughs> because it, it ties back directly to Sammy at the beginning of the movie being a zombie in search of salty snacks. Yeah. And yeah. just like and, expounding on it. And there's a, there's a great uh, joke payoff where yeah. at the beginning, he, they're like, hey, Greg. And he's like, suck my dick. And they're like, I mean, do you... 
want us to. And then it's the same character, right? Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah, I'll yeah. suck your dick for a corn nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. It's, really it's, a, it's a good payoff. That was that that and the um fighting with the table thing the fighting with the table thing was yeah, good but, but when they all come over to the car and he's like why are you following me the snacks are still inside and they're like oh shit yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a scene like that in yeah. a movie where it's yeah. just like it, it, no one everyone is operating under movie logic except for the one character who's like you know the stuff is over there yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, just just real quick though, I did I did really like the whole like sees a table with a hammer on it and uses the table and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because a hammer wouldn't help. he doesn't want to kill these people. He right, just wants yeah. them wave them off. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I also thought that was great. Yeah. Um, I really like the plant scene. It's it's clean and simple and short, and it 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 tells us exactly what we need. I, I I've always really liked her dynamic with the plants, but I don't feel like you've milked it too much, and. Uh, it's it's a really nice scene because so much of her personality is built around uh, her belief in her own ability to survive, mm-hmm. and so it's it's really big for her to be like, I was like, so her saying I'm gonna die in here isn't just, oh, I things are bad. It, it's it's like not only should I not have left the bunker, but like, I was never gonna make it in here, mm-hmm. like. I only had six years in this bunker, ever. And it felt like forever because the timer was set for five, but, like, this is actually not sustainable. I'm not... And it's powerful. It's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, The scene with Judy and Greg. Scene with Judy and Greg. Two-parter. Yeah. That one was real scary to write. Yeah, I I think I liked liked what I came up with, but I haven't looked back and reread it. Yeah, because because this scene... um, very easily could have come off as a recap where it's like what have you done and it's like well i saw a trainer and i did this and you know and, and as you saw over the last hour and a half these are the things that i've done let me remind you you know but it, it comes off a lot more genuine and real than that um like you, you, it, it could have gone that way but it didn't and you did a really good job of like making sure it was just the the details that are necessary and that kind of thing i don't know i really liked it I, I liked it too. I, I think that it, it was really pleasing for me to see that Judy is the goddess he has to meet with. Like that, that yeah, just yeah. Feels, that feels good and feels right. Um, I don't think this scene is quite there yet, and the the all the dialogue is good, and their dynamic feels really organic and and believable to me, and and it feels like exactly the conversation that needs to be happening at this point in the screenplay. Um, the thing for me which didn't quite work, I love the line, I got laid too. <laughs> okay. Um, is is when is the fight like Greg saying because it's the right thing to do. I don't feel like that is quite enough. Um I feel like throughout this screenplay you have consistently excelled at giving us a really clear sense of who these people are and what their personality is like and, and what's going to bum them out and what's going to perk them up. And and I feel like you have shied away from anything as, as, as much as you can avoid dealing with what these symbiotes sort of are and what they represent beyond a loss of free will. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you have done, which I think has served your screenplay really well. I think that dwelling on that more would not have helped you. And I think that you're intentionally going out of your way to avoid digging into that has done you very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular instance, though, we're kind of running into the same issue we ran into with Sammy last time, where I didn't feel like I had a clear sense of why Sammy would suddenly 
want to stick up for the symbiotes and we talked about that and, and yeah. we, we kind of dug into that and here you're so close i love the block of dialogue uh where where judy says you know then why do you need to find sammy she's the same as everyone else now and greg says she isn't though she's special and he goes to talk about all, all of her skills and you know i'm trying to get her to save everybody else symbiote or no symbiote judy leans in and says why all of that I love. I think that's great. I feel like I can and, tell you right now. I, I after Judy said why, my crusher sat blinking yeah, for like ten I mean, minutes. I, I was like, like I don't know what the fuck to write there. I feel like it'd be something as simple as like because I want to. For the first time in his life, he wants to help mm-hmm. someone. The, my what if my my give it to you bad. My what if but good is instead of saying something grand and philosophical, he says something personal and specific. Like instead of it's the right thing to do or. I am the chosen one, or Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> he says, Miguel would have done the same thing for me, symbiote or no symbiote. Or he says, like, because if I don't, Miguel died. Like, like something really specific about a relationship he had in this movie instead of an idea. Where it's like, at the beginning of this movie, he... And, and, and what I the reason I would recommend going that route is because the subtext will be because it's the right thing to do and we'll yeah. see that he's changed in that way but if he says something specific that is revealing of that i think it will feel more genuine and more powerful than if he just says whatever the subtext would have been yeah 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 i was i was thinking like th- this is the moment where greg passes the test right yep. not just of judy but the, the subtext of like did he learn the lesson of the movie right and uh I think he did, and I just couldn't figure out exactly what to say there. Maybe it's something like along the lines of like, um, because I know you would do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't do it, so I have to. Right. You know. Right. Just something like that, where he's like, like, like my symbiote would make me. Yeah. My symbiote would make me, so I know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Ah, yeah. shit. Let me write that down. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Or because, because if I had a symbiote, I know it's what they would want, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think that direction is exactly the right direction to go. Okay. Um, and then directly after that, you have all the apocalyptic like montage shit. I dig that. Just like yeah. showing showing the world just fucked. I can see it like fucking golden hour, like a fucking Michael Mann movie. Just, like... <laughs> I love, that's exactly what I was going. For. I love I love that the apocalypse thing is just for Sharkies to go back to being what it was. For <laughs> it's like it just reverts to what it is in real life. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's basically just like New Orleans the morning after Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. It's basically what this whole scene is uh, here. Um, you so so I want to talk about the issue that you brought up with Aaron, but before we get into that, um, I, I'll say that for me personally, uh, there I didn't really have any other issues with these pages. I, I thought that they they were good and functional and funny, yeah. and they they so I. But before we move on, is there anything that either Evan you had comments on or Peter you wanted feedback on specifically about these pages before we um, talk about what comes next? Let's see here. The scene with Sammy and the plants. Uh, this is just a specific nitpick. Let me find it. Um, the how did I never think of that before? I guess it's something Greg says a lot. Feels like too much. Like just that one little line. Just is push back so hard on that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let me let me find it. Let me find it. I wanted to see because because like in my mind, I would think like she says we're gonna be okay, buds. She smirks. The light goes out, and it's just like oh that funny, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh yeah the uh, 
the thing is, I've written Greg saying the word bud a lot. Uh-huh. It's just something that's one of his words. Yeah, and I think and that, like, that, that smirk is enough recognition uh, for her not to, like, say it out loud again. I just don't know if the audience is going to get that that's something Greg used to say, unless she points it out. Yeah. I really enjoyed the line. I, I thought it was cute. If if you, you you know, maybe maybe film a version where she just says, buds, how did I never think of that before? Like, I mean, you know... I would say at most cut it off there, not the whole line entirely. Personally, or like, or like she could like say something that's like a stupid asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I didn't have a problem with it okay. myself, but uh, what else have I got? I love I love when the lights flicker and she's like that funny. Huh? <laughs> I, I thought that was great. And it also serves a plot purpose. It shows that the lights are dying. You right. Know? know what the sun's all about when the lights go out. Uh, okay, let's talk about the rest of it. Well, one last thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The scene at the very end of this, where um, he Greg like has a Miguel's floating force ghost in here, and Miguel is inspiring him. I was trying to find the right tone for that. I didn't want it to be like Waterboy, where he sees his yeah, mentor yeah, yeah. literally. Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, or not Waterboy. Uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got my hand back, Happy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want it to be that. I didn't want it to be, like, uh, too schmaltzy either. Yeah. I wanted it to be kind of in the middle yeah. of, like, you know, it's it's goofy that he's imagining right, his but mentor, the, but it's also, like, a, a, an emotional moment for him. Yeah, yeah and I feel like it, it's, it, lean into it, because we need that joke right there, because everything has been a little heavy for the past few pages, and just having that little little moment before everything continues to be heavy is good to have, like, that random force ghost kind of thing is fun. Yeah. You know, I, I had no problem with that, and I thought it fit in really well as, like, a another beat of just, like, humor before we continue resolving the story. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I'd say that if you if you wanted to play it a little bit funnier without kind of giving up on the, the payoff element of it, you could, you could make some callback to something funny that Miguel says, where, like, if the voiceover was like, left, right, left, right, come on, one more set. Uh, listen, I'm gonna crush your bones, but I promise that I'm gonna do it in a nice way. And if, yeah, if, you, had exactly. Greg, if you had Greg going like, what? Or if he just goes like, and like, like or if, you know, if, yeah. if there was if there was something like endearing but or just goofy, like, that, yeah, pull a random line for the rest of the screenplay, just like something really like off-putting almost, or like makes no sense contextually, and you're just like running along, and just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, it, it that, yeah, you could you could have fun with that, yeah. and it's and it's as much fun as you feel doesn't detract from the moment because it, it is actually really important that this is genuinely yeah stu- like cool. I, I was just worried about tone, and also I looked back on the script. I didn't read all of Miguel's lines, but I looked at a lot of the stuff Miguel says, and none of it really applies. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be like a thing to go back and put in a line earlier. Where, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and I almost put in the like first of all, there's no visual of Miguel; it's uh-huh. just voiceover. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that including a visual of like Miguel would be too far. I you know? agree. Yeah, but uh, I I just didn't know how to make it like funny and I don't know. It was it was just a tone yeah. challenge. Really. Here's here's a, here's a question, and this is I I don't know if I like this yet, but I'm I'm putting it to the group. What if he was going and it was like left, right, left? Come on, you can do it. I can do anything. And Greg was like, <laughs> like <laughs> like that's actually what I wrote originally. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, and I decided to go against it just because I was like, maybe like probably Greg wouldn't want to relive that moment, you know? Yeah, and I and I think it behooves you to not draw out Miguel's grisly death as being a punchline. Like, yeah, it it as it is, I think it works as a punchline 
only because it's like a it's like a dark yeah yeah like it's it's funny because it's fucked up <laughs> and you yeah. can only do that once yeah 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 okay. yeah yeah you made the right choice cool yeah all right uh um, so the the very the climax the yeah. next scene so so you need a reason for aaron to come back and face them yeah uh the first idea which i had let me give it to you bad um, so Aaron's whole thing is he, he wants society to collapse. He wants chaos. He wants fires in the sky and, it's and working too fields, well. <laughs> fields burning. Um, you could do a version where you add a beat at the end of the scene where Greg goes to his car with a table where, you know, he could be like, what, what are you doing? Like the snacks are in there. And they're like, oh shit, you're right. And Greg could be like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like you guys lived perfectly normal like none of you were doing this before you got the symbiote like i don't buy this this is bullshit you're better than this and he sort of shames them in some way like you should be ashamed of yourself and they sort of are like shit yeah damn okay mom and and you sort of get a little reversal there where greg is the self-righteous one and then you could have them go back to aaron where aaron's like gather the fire stoke the engines the flames of destruction they're like hey man um thank you thank you for getting rid of the symbiotes but like we actually need to figure out, and Aaron's like, what the, what the fuck? What the fuck? We, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we sort of get a glimmer of hope, and then Aaron could do a kill the beast thing, where, where you know, at the end of Beauty and the Beast, where he's like, um, I just lost a moral victory, and I feel really shitty about it, so I'm just going to invent a straw man to get all these villagers riled up about. He could do that with Sammy, where, you know, the last interaction he had with Sammy could be he could get some sort of humiliation he like lets her go but like she gets some jab in or she says something or something to make him feel real bad and then the villagers come back and they're like the villagers <laughs> the, the, the characters come back and they're like you know uh yeah thanks for getting rid of our symbiotes but i i think I, i'm gonna you know tr just trying to figure out what the rest of my life looks like you know i i got a lot of choices to make and he's like well, you know that uh, there's a traitor in our midst. Sammy could have liberated all of you, but she stood in our way. And in fact, I think I heard a rumor that she's plotting with the symbiotes to bring them back. And if we don't stop her, you know, and then they could be like, ah, maybe or... he doesn't even lie that extensively. Maybe yeah. it's just like, oh, Greg gave you shit because of this and that. Uh, well, I know someone who happens to have a store of all this pre-apocalypse shit. Why don't we go mess with that person instead of interfering with my plan? You know, that, I, I think that's better. And, and Where he, like, leads a mob there right. kind of thing. And, and I think maybe an even more interesting version of that for his character would be if instead of the thing that I suggested, if they come to him and they're like, thank you, great liberator. Now, what's your plan? How are you going to keep us alive? Where do you have any food storage? Or you, you freed all of us, so, you know, obviously we're expecting you to handle this. And he's like, um... I know of a bunker where we can... And so it's like... That also adds another scene, which I need badly. <laughs> and, and you know, sort of we, we, we see Aaron in a situation where he has some character conflict, where it's like he, he sort of gleefully created this apocalypse and now he's facing some consequences. And because he's a villain, instead of atoning for his mistakes, he's going to try and foist it on somebody else. And that could be a, a reason for him to go and, and you know... Do a do a confrontation. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I I really like that. I really like uh, Aaron just kind of being like, because a, a lot of the script is or of any story is someone gets the thing they think they want and that's not what they wanted. Mm -hmm. If that happens to Aaron too, then it's like oh, it's kind of unexpected. Usually the villain they're they're the villain because they can't change. You right. Know? And uh, if he experiences a little bit of that and then mm -hmm. reflexively doesn't change, or he's like, I guess I just gotta lean into it. I just gotta be pure evil over right. here. You know, I, or like does that 
cliche, like looks himself in a mirror thing, and it's like, all right, dude, mm-hmm. you're a dick. Be a dick. Yeah. Do this. <laughs> no one dicks like Gaston. It's true. No one does. Um, uh, the, yeah, and I, I always love it when villains are also dealing with conflict like i i feel like villains who are like excellent everything is going according to plan are always less interesting than a villain who's like what the fuck okay okay fine i guess we're gonna need to use tanks because they couldn't do it the like i i love that you know i, I always i always find that to be a lot of fun and, and aaron's such a great character as it is i yeah that's why i'm celibate what, what do you mean i don't, I don't have sex with anybody it's just that I like he has little details like that. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. We're not because the character didn't even exist in the beachy. Right. I, I invented yeah. him for the outline. That's mm-hmm. like a way to make it work. Catalyze the story a little bit, and yeah. then just wind up being the main villain. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, are you are you ready to, to, to move on and talk about the future? Yeah. yeah uh, I think so. so so first short short order cook. Uh, next week, what are, what are our goals? Our, our, next week is our actual penultimate. Uh, like Rachel Weiss said in the fountain, finish it. Okay. Yeah. You, so, you, so next week you want to be done. I want to be done. And then have a week to reflect on it. Right. Kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shit. All right. So Evans, Evans going for gold. Yeah. yeah. I want it done out and over with. Go for the gusto, man. Are, are you going for the gusto? Up and not let them breathe. Get coffee strike by Eminem too now. Eminem mm-hmm. and Kanye. You no. Know, uh. Yeah, I think. I'm so close to the end that, it, like, I could use the excuse of, like, well, I have two weeks. Right. You know, but uh, I think also the only thing I'm really super concerned with getting done is the climax. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to get the climax done. And then anything that comes after that or anything that I need to write in before that, mm-hmm. um, those that's just a few scenes, like a, an early scene with Sammy that I didn't include. I can do that in the last week. So... I think next week is just the climax and maybe one other scene, and yeah. then the week after that is going to be the denouement, and then not quite a polish, but just adding in scenes like mm-hmm. Aaron talking to himself, Sammy going out into the bunker, out of the bunker world for the first time, and right. establishing things that I missed, like uh, Greg's car has problems on hills, was something that it says in the outline, remember to establish this, and then I never <laughs> established it. So, yeah, so climax, and mm-hmm. that's about it. And you said half of it is? Well, I did say that, but, but here's, so here's the problem. Right, right. Uh, the goal was to end these 16 weeks with a finished first draft. Right. So if I take, if I write 10 pages this week and probably 15 pages next week. Or 40 and 40. Yeah, for, if I do 40 and 40 and I get my 80 page done, um, as was foretold, then what I have on our final day is an act one and then an acts two and three with a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like planters peanuts or interlocks or a monster whose name is Soren for some reason. So, I mean, for this act one to be part of the same screenplay as the other two, you have to. I gotta go in and make those changes. Yeah. And I think that they'll be relatively quick changes. I think they're mostly, uh, I think that they're mostly aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a, whole scene I yeah, need to rewrite it's like structural nightmare kind of thing it's just a matter of details it, it's mostly moving dialogue around but yeah. I would love a whole week to move dialogue around mm-hmm. and for me to have that I need to write all of act one this week 
I so, here's what I would say to you. Okay. First of all, you're contradicting yourself from a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. where uh, I I made a similar point. I was like, this doesn't make sense. I didn't do this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, the point of a first draft is not to yeah. have something that really coheres. It's just something that like is enough pages but right. gets your story across more or less. But for personal ontological satisfaction, it feels kind of important. You know, yeah. yeah. Like, like I'm gonna probably take that last week and just kind of like do a quick run through of everything, and show you guys where my where my first draft stands, kind of thing. Right. You know. All I would say is just don't push yourself too hard. Right. If you find yourself at two in the morning and you're thirty pages in and you don't know what the fuck you're gonna do, and you've got work in four hours, right? Yeah. And then don't feel the need yeah, to finish yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, no pressure, just a shitload of pressure. I I'm gonna I'm gonna try and write it all this yeah. week. All and right. and we we all know that when I have an outline that I feel good about, I tend to write very quickly. Yeah. And there's and there's but, definitely nothing wrong with being. Ambitious. Yeah, but well, if I if I I'm, I'm it's canon. It's in it's in the book now. If I don't make it that far, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I will I'm gonna be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. It's okay if I don't write the whole thing. Okay. Um, next thing to talk about the future of the podcast. Okay. So this is season one, and it's yeah. almost done. Okay. And uh, I I kind of want to talk to you guys about how you think it's gone and what you want to see from the beginning or what that's not what I'm those were the wrong words <laughs> what you want to see for next season huh. and and the future of it if, yeah. if at all like let's start with you Evan because you you kind of you kind of dropped a little hint earlier yeah um last screenplay huh? last screenplay so I think if we keep doing this I need to work on something different maybe not my book but mm. like do the same thing we did with this where like come up with a new idea and run with it and see what happens yeah. Because um, otherwise, you guys would have to read all of the third draft, plus what I've done in the fourth draft, critique what I've done in the fourth draft, and then we're caught up. That's a lot of catching up with this current project that I'm working on. It is, and and it's. I mean, and I'm not like I like. It's possible that novel writing would work in this format. Yeah. Definitely not under the same parameters that we've been working on. Right. Definitely not. First draft in six, 16 weeks. No, There's it, no it would, way. It would probably be me working on short stories. Yeah. You know, coming to you guys every week with like either a new one or... Mm. A revision of a previous one. Right, or like I, I work right. over, work on one across several weeks or that kind of thing. Because I've always wanted to work get better at writing your shorts anyway. Right. You know, so I think for, for, for me, that's kind of what it would be. Um, just because I don't... I, I have no desire to go back into filmmaking in any facet. You know, I have made that choice and I am okay with it right um so i want to get more into fiction and if you guys are okay with that then then i will write things tailored to this right because 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 i'm so green with writing fiction no matter what i write will help me right you know yeah so uh peter what, what about you like yeah i i mean i never saw in my mind when we first agreed to all do this I never thought there would be a second season Right. I was just like well I, there's a good chance that I give up after three or four weeks but here we are at the very end yeah, we, muscled, we're muscled we actually have yeah. pretty much done it yeah. um, I, I do have an idea for what will be my next feature um, it's a horror comedy about language Cool. and about uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's about young people who uh, will do anything to get ahead also and I think it's pretty. I don't want to pitch it just yet. Okay. I already told Evan about it, but I just I don't want to have it recorded. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um. So I have an idea of what I'll do for the next feature, but uh, I 
and I really like getting feedback from you guys and giving feedback. Yeah, I think that's feedback. the biggest thing that like has kept this going is that our dynamic of we give good notes to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I so I would like to write more things in the future mm-hmm. and of anything in my life that I have tried to get me to finish stuff, nothing has even come close <laughs> to, to how effective this podcast has been. Right. Yeah. yeah for, I have, Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's sort of why I keep bringing up season two, because it's like, well, like, I want to keep writing. Yeah. And Just keep being creative and yeah, find yeah. a reason to, you know, organize it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, so I, there's some, there's some, some ideas that I want to dig into for ways that this might look the same and ways that this might look different. But before we get to that, so the format that we did for this first season 16 weeks one feature mm-hmm. um i'm very open to breaking up that format in a way that is more accommodating of different types of writing where it's just sort of it doesn't need to be a race to the end right. it's like we meet up and we sort of see how we're doing with the writing yeah that being said i like the idea that this podcast happens like once or twice a year that it's not an every I definitely I definitely want a break yeah okay and I like the idea that it has a finite amount of time or that there's at least some sort of deadline built into it that that is helpful for me so like uh last episode in July come back in September October yeah, something like that, or you know, like I, I would love to, I'd love to take like a month or a month and a half off, and then do like a follow up episode where it's like, how, how's everyone's second draft doing? Yeah. Like, like where it's not we don't jump into another sixteen weeks, but it's just like check in. Yeah. Like, you know, the reunion special. This yeah. Season one capper. Yeah, I well, because what I want to do with this is once I have the first draft, I want to take like at least two or three weeks off for myself where I just don't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. And then go back over it myself, read it with sort of fresh eyes, having not thought about it for a few weeks. And zero pressure with a podcast. Right. Make the changes that immediately pop out to me. It's like, oh, duh. Of course, of course I need to change that line of dialogue. Of course I need to change that. Of course this scene doesn't need to be in here. And then I want to send it out to like 15 people (laughs) and say, hello, everybody. Here's my screenplay I've been telling you about for the past four months. Uh one month from now or two months from now or six weeks from now I'm going to record a podcast where I tell my boys yeah. the sort of feedback like I would I would love to do a report on like this is what people thought of it this yeah, is what yeah. um, and just sort of get you know hear, hear what other like I would be fascinated to find out if other people responded to it in the same way you guys did right what are the surprise things where people are like, I hated Margo. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's, it'd be an interesting process for sure. Hey guys. So, uh, we, uh, we got really off track with discussing the podcast itself for a while. So we just decided to fade out and fade back in here. Maybe we uh, had a little jingle or something. Maybe we had some tunes. Maybe we did. And what we, so <laughs> as a great way to end the podcast, uh, star rating for this season I grade pass fail. Pass fail. Okay. <laughs> credit no credit. Pass. 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 Okay. Great. Evan. 
Uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. Okay, so you're you're like a bongo drums kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna teacher. say you're the the Milton Academy. <laughs> hey man, whatever you feel, your grade is. Yeah, right. your grade is an apple. Uh, I rate this season three honey baked hams. Nice. nice. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. All see right. you next week. Right. See you next week. What if but goodbye.